Now, my good friend Pete the Vet is in studio with me now and I'm delighted to talk to him. Pete, how are you? Sorry, I'm just trying to bring up the mic. I think I have the right one there. How are you? I'm very well, thank you very much. Now, I don't. Let me see now which mic. There you go. How are you? I'm good. Good. Great to speak to you. And we were just chatting during the break. Normally I am behind or you're behind the camera and I'm asking you questions. It's been a long time since I've spoken to you, but you've been so busy. I know you've had a book out and you're always on the television and radio. How are you keeping? I keep it very well. Thanks very much. I'm, um, I used to be in full-time clinical veterinary practice, but um, that, that's a great job, and I love being a vet like that, but it does tend to eat up all of your time and energy. And so at the end of the, the working day at seven, half seven in the evening, you're just whacked, and you, you can't explore the other exciting bits of life. So as I got older, I've, I've done a bit less clinical work, just so I can be freed up to do some more of the other interesting stuff. Um, and so I've, I've, you're right, I've written, I've written four books now, and I've... Um, I have a website, petfix.com, which is about offering people um, information and advice over the internet rather than um, face-to-face, um, trying to make pet care information more accessible, I suppose. And as well as that, I'm just always curious about different aspects of life and animals and how, how things are changing and progressing. I mean, since I qualify, qualified as a vet, which is a long time now, 35 years ago, since then... Our thoughts about animals have changed so much and that this moved from being animals as kind of bunches of reflexes to, um, you know, that, that, that we can do what we want with, um, to seeing them as sentient beings who are very much like us, in, except that they can't speak and can't quite think the same way, but far more like us than we used to realise. And then what's happened is legislation has come in to kind of reflect our new understanding of animals. And I'm really interested about how that's impacting on our lives and on animals' lives. And it's so fascinating. I mean, I could literally talk to you all day, as you know, because this is a passion project for me. And I remember years ago when we were started filming Animal A&G, you were the kind of, you were the person to go to. That's who we decided to go to. But interesting what you speak about now. I was only looking at a TV programme recently and it's coming from Australia and it was talking about non-verbal communication with animals and how people are looking at them, watching them. And there's a lot of research, including PhD research, going into this area. And it's a fascinating area, not only of veterinary care but also how we can interact with our own animals at home and just noticing little cues to give us an indication of how they're feeling even little stress signals you might talk us through a few that could apply to kind of those everyday situations with our domestic cats and dogs yeah well i i I think that animals are experts at body language because they can't talk um they can communicate for sure um but because they can't speak um we can't hear their messages as as we hear messages from other people. So it means that to communicate with animals, we have to be much more astute and much more sensitive to to, to their to their body language. And there are simple things that sometimes we know them intuitively. Uh, other times we have to consciously think about them. The intuitive aspect, I think, is very interesting because studies have shown that children that grow up with animals um, are more socially adept and more self-confident and better in groups of people than children who don't grow up with animals. So I think it's because animals are great teachers of body language um, and um, body language um, goes over all the species uh, barriers. So that if you're a young child and you're involved with a dog and the dog doesn't want to spend time with you anymore, the dog will tell you that with its body language and that same body language applies with humans, um, except that we don't talk about it. So what that means is that 
um, if you as a child learn how your dog or cat behaves when they're a bit fed up with you, well, you'll understand then, you'll recognise it when you get a bit older and somebody maybe gets a bit bored with your conversation and they're not saying anything but you, their body language is saying, oh, I'm a little bit bored here. You'll understand that and appreciate it more quickly. Now, this happens at an unconscious level, really, but that doesn't make it any less real. Um, so what about some practical things that people can do with their pets? I think signs of anxiety in pets are really important to pick up on and one of the absolute key ones that's really obvious when you think about it is that a dog that's anxious licks its lips. Um, it does no more than that. Oh, sometimes they yawn as well. Uh, so a dog that's feeling a little uneasy will lick its lip, lips and yawn. And if your dog does that, you need to say to yourself, why are they doing that? Um, and the other thing is you have to sh should watch dogs' ears and cats' ears. And when they're interested and engaged, their ears will be up and about and moving this way and that, and they'll be... That tells you that they're relaxed and interested. Again, if they're feeling a bit stressed and a bit unhappy, they'll tend to flatten their ears down, put their ears back, uh, also narrow their eyes a bit. These are these are subtle signs, really, um, but they definitely are very significant and worth paying attention to. And, of course, the one that we always hear about is the tail with the dog. You know, mm. the tail will indicate a lot of things. A little simple thing, because we are kind of coming into the summer and the weather's going to get hotter. And I think be aware, if you're going on a particular walk that you've always done, that they might be exposed to that heat and the sun and water. So you might have a little advice around that. For yeah, yeah, that well, that's that's a, that's a such an important thing because, again, dogs are different to us, so... Um, they lose heat in different ways. They don't sweat. If we get too hot, we start to sweat. Um, and we also go somewhere cooler. So we might, you might open the door and go in from the garden into your cool kitchen so you can have a nice glass of water. But dogs can't necessarily choose to do that. Um, first of all, they don't sweat. Um, and so, so they lose heat instead by panting. Um, but secondly, they can't choose to go into the kitchen and get a glass of water because they're not able to do that. So you as an owner need to be aware that that's just as you would like to do that, so do they like to do it. So you, in any hot weather, you should always take with you fresh water and a bowl for your dog. I was caught out recently because it was a bit of a warm day and I had water, I had bought, uh, uh, um, I was going for a run, so I had water for myself in a, in a, in a, in a water bottle. Uh, but I've, I'd forgotten to bring a little bowl for the dog, and so I had to just squirt it into the dog's mouth. And it's very difficult to do. So what you can do instead is you can buy, you can get these uh, sort of flattened, sort of silicon-type contraptions, which you, like little pyramids, you push them out, and they form into a little bowl. And you can get them with a keyring attachment. So when you're going out with the, in the car, take one of those on your keyring, and so uh, and have a bottle of water in the car somewhere. And then it makes it very easy to give your dog the, the fresh water that they need, because they really do need it. And heat stroke, unbelievably, every year we see people bringing dogs to us that are overheated and then subsequently die. It kills dogs. Um, the worst one I remember is somebody who was driving from Dublin to Wicklow, and she had a big old saloon type car and she put her two German shepherds in the boot of her car now she was used to taking them for short journeys like that and they were comfortable and fine with that but this longer journey of 45 minutes and it was a very hot sunny day um, she opened the, opened the boot of the car and both dogs were dead 
it's yeah. it's heartbreaking and it's yeah. it's so simple so preventable and yeah. just it's all about kind of education just being aware and knowing what's right yeah so there is a message for somebody who's probably listening and listening in um now i was thinking um i can imagine you getting branded little cups for the um <laughs> for the veterinary um clinic up the road yeah. now just a quick mention we we've spoken about these new rules that germany and we'll just touch on them slightly and mm. um, they're the gassy law and it's basically to do with ownership animal care socialization of puppies, everything you are an advocate for. But in terms of Ireland, I know you've been very involved in the Dog Breeding Establishment Act and constantly in and out with the Oireachtas. Can we take anything from what Germany's doing and apply it to Ireland? Or how are we doing in Ireland, in your view, Pete? Well, I, I think Ireland's doing very well in many ways as far as all this is concerned. And interestingly, it was, it was just last night, there, 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 there was a, um, a session in at, the, in at the door. They have a committee, uh, had a committee meeting, um, and what they, what, they, what they were doing was they were presenting, first of all, Department of Rural and Community Development were talking about dog breeding establishments and the Control of Dogs Act and microchipping and dog licences, first of all. And then after that, there was a, an engagement with the, um, Dervla O'Brien, who's the new CEO of Greyhound Racing Ireland, talking about what they're doing as far as Greyhound Racing is concerned. Now, these are all areas that are very, very topical and, uh, 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 and people who are concerned about animal welfare would be very concerned about all of these issues. And I think the overriding things that came out were, first of all, the legislation in Ireland is actually very good at protecting animals. That's not a weak point. The weak point is, um, first of all, some of the finer details and secondly, enforcement. Enforcement is huge. So in terms of the issues yesterday, they talked all about dog licenses and microchipping and they talked about the fact that there's one database for all the dogs that are microchipped and every dog in this country must be microchipped by law. And secondly, there's a separate database, which is all dogs that have dog licenses. And every dog in Ireland needs to have a, a dog license under the law. Now, those two databases are entirely separate. They don't talk to each other at all. And it's completely ridiculous. And they did touch on that last night. And they agreed that that should be something that should be changed. But that they were simply saying, oh, it's complicated because... The post offices are involved because they sell dog licenses and these people are involved because they do this and the different departments and they're saying it's complicated. And you kind of go to yourself, say, well, you know, surely some Mandarin just needs to come along and say, just sort it out because it's so logical. So that was one aspect. Um, so the, the second aspect then was some of the fine-tuning and what they were saying is that they were actually the first time ever I heard a government official say, yeah, we're looking at the possibility of... Um, theory tests for people before they get dogs. They're looking at that. And I think that would be a great idea. And that's what the gassy laws in Germany are partly about. Yeah, and I think it's interesting that you bring that point up because I know a lot of people, and particularly when we were doing the show, we worked with, say, the ISPCA, Dogs Trust and other welfare um, you know, organisations around the country and one of the things they always do, Pete, and I know you'd always support this, is they do home checks they do kind of a chat with the, the new owners and they make sure that the dog or the cat that they're getting is suitable for their family and kind of, you know, they have the time to invest in them. And people often give out to me and they say, oh, I tried to adopt a dog and they, they said I wasn't suitable for whatever reason. And it's only afterwards that they realise why it was so important to do that preliminary chat with the new owners because it's a big commitment. It could be 10 years, it could be 15 years mm. and it's a financial um, commitment as well. It's, it is. You know, it's going to cost you, I don't know, 1,500, 2,000 euros a year to have a dog. Uh, or uh, it's, a, it's, it's a big deal. And yet you don't need to do any sort of test like that in order just to go and buy a puppy. Um, so, and we, we all know that there's been a huge number of puppies taken in during lockdown that are now being surrendered 
to dog charities because people have realised, actually, I can't keep them after all. It doesn't suit my lifestyle after all. And they can't see that at the time. The dog rescue groups can see that. But because people can just go and get a puppy, they don't... They can just... They can't, no, nothing's stopping them from doing that. And that's exactly what they did. And it's only now that we're seeing that that was wrong. So this idea of a, a theory test before getting a puppy is a really good idea. How you enforce that is a good question. Another thing that came up last night was dog control notices, or DCNs. It's a new idea. I haven't heard of it before. What that is, is, that's an alternative to restricted breed legislation. Because at the moment, some breeds like Dobermans and German Shepherds are meant to be muzzled all the time in public. And it's a ridiculous law because most dogs are totally harmless. And there's no need for that and people know it's a ridiculous law and they don't do it and so it's, what's the point having a law that's just not enforced at all it's ridiculous so dog control notices are basically the idea is that if somebody has a dog that does cause any sort of trouble then they get issued with a dog control notice regardless of what sort of breed of dog it is and then that's then uh, monitored more carefully that certain restrictions applied to it um and um that's a more progressive way forwards the other thing um that 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 was interesting last night was the greyhound the lady from the um the um the irish greyhound people and what what she was it was very interesting because she she was saying things like no healthy greyhound dog should ever be euthanized and we know there's been big issues with worries that dogs greyhounds are unwanted are just euthanized or worse than that they're just shot in knackeries because they're just not wanted so she was saying how against how, how they're completely against that and she came up with another half a dozen things statements of what of how 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 you know things have changed and um and and how the um you know in in the future um the 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 greyhound racing ireland has these very high very admirable strategic priorities for the health and welfare of greyhounds and basically she talked the talk last night and it was impressive but what everybody is saying this morning is what about walking the walk what's actually going to happen because there's such a bad history of 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 animal abuse connected to greyhounds and is it really going to change or or, or is the badness an inherent part of greyhound racing full stop and that's an area that i'm sure we'll keep a close eye on as i said i could talk to you all day <laughs> um if anybody um wants to read his, go to your books or give you a website just give it a mention again there please please uh, um pete the com is the easiest way to find me and you'll find out my, about my website brave uh, my veterinary practice brave vet in ireland in bray and all sorts of other things you find out at pete the com.